0: You know what? There is even one specific moment I remember, which is uh, the minister's giving the, uh, he, he's wrapping up the lesson, the bayouba. hes It's getting very spiritual. Brethren are feeling it. And I look over at my mother, and I kid you not, she's crying. And I don't know why. And I'm thinking, what are you hearing? What are you listening? What are, uh, what, what are you getting from this?
1: You know, again, as a child, I'm like, okay, okay. You know, and, and honestly, what would go through my mind is you can't even hear you know, why, why is this so important to you? Why does it matter? You can't even hear. But, you know, as a child, seeing that and then finally being able to understand, you know, it's like, okay, let me stay awake. Maybe there's a reason why.
2: When I first learned about Brother Ronnie and Brother Rowell David's story, right away, I, I had so many questions. I was just so curious about how they grew up and became the people that they are now. You see, they're brothers who are both CODA, an acronym for Child of Deaf Adults. They grew up in Georgia and are now both ministers of the gospel in the Iglesia de Cristo or Church of Christ.
0: I remember asking her afterwards, like, Mom, why were you crying? What did the minister say? And she said, say, I don't know. But I felt something. I was feeling something. And it made me feel like crying.
1: When, when when me and my brother would talk about it, we would always say they, they really did worship depending on the Holy Spirit.
0: You know? It's one of the biggest lessons we ever got from them. Mm-hmm. And again, they never explained that to us. They never told us about the Holy Spirit. They never put that in words, but just based on the way they live, that's how we learned it.
2: From INC Media Audio, you're listening to Making Changes. I'm Aliyah Garcia-Pablo. Today's episode format is a bit different. This is a two-part series where we'll sit down with Brother Ronnie and Brother Roel to see what it was like to grow up CODA and how that shaped their faith. This two-part episode is so layered as you will see and feel. It's about the struggles of growing up CODA, love for their parents, but also the frustrations from the perspective of two young boys whose lives were filled with setbacks and struggle. Let's listen in. Hi, Brother Ronnie, Brother Roel. Thank you so much for um, taking the time to to talk with us.
1: Thank you, Sister Lil. Thank you so much.
2: We'll start off by asking, what would you say, at what age do, would you say you realize that your home life was a little bit different from the rest of your friends at school or wherever.
0: It didn't really hit me all at one time. It just kind of eventually I understood that our situation growing up is very different from other people. Like, for example, um, when we would go to uh, the grocery store and we'd help our mom our mother pay, you know, we'd get the cashier the money. If they had questions, we'd talk for our mother. Same thing with going to the doctor's office. Uh, My mother wants to tell the doctor something, and the doctor tells us to tell our mom, and we tell our mom. And even when it came to school, teachers are telling us, okay, I need to talk to your parents. Uh, What's your home phone number so I can call them? They call us later on, and I'm the one answering the phone. So it it was a gradual thing. Uh, I don't think it was a specific age, but the longer or the more we grew up with our parents, the more I realized it really is different from other people.
2: For
1: me, growing up, I thought that everyone did sign language to their parents. I mean, yes, we had aunts and we had uncles, we had grandma and grandpa that we would speak to. But for some reason, you know, of course, the mind of a child, growing up, you just think, yeah. But when it comes to your parent, you do sign language. And so, you know, finding that out, noticing that about the other children, how how they would speak to their parents, you know, it it, it obviously showed me that it was different. But you know, the crazy thing is that. Yeah, I noticed it, but then right after it was like, okay, we're just different, you know? My situation isn't like their situation.
0: It's funny because you kind of forget you're doing sign language. Yeah, no really. You don't even know you're doing sign language anymore. We could literally just be talking to our parents and switch over to just talking, uh, uh, voicing out our opinions or whatever. And it's all one language at, at one point, so.
2: So let's back up a bit and give you a bit of their background. Their parents were both born deaf. They met in the Philippines, got married in the church, and their mother migrated to Georgia first, where the rest of her family were. We all know how hard it is to start a new life in a new country, but how much more when you're not able to hear? Their parents both understood and signed Filipino Sign Language, but not ASL or American Sign Language. The brothers have some memory of what it was like for their mom.
0: And back then, you know, websites, chat rooms, or mm-hmm. Skype, all that, that, that didn't exist. So she really just kind of stayed at home. She lived a more, uh, her life was more on just observing things. It wasn't really with community, communicating with people, the socializing or talking to people. She would meet deaf people along the way, here or there. But there was still that lack of communication because they could never keep up with each other. They didn't have phones or whatever. Or she didn't have her own cell phone at the time. So it was more on her just... Uh, just kind of watching and looking, just waiting. My father, he came along a couple years later on. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. My parents, when it comes to them, they're, it's very, a, a good trait they have is that they're able to adapt to a lot of people, a lot of situations, and be able to find their way through. You know, for example, our mother, she may be speaking with someone and they don't know sign language, but she'll find a way to get her point across. It wasn't until, of course, mm-hmm. me and my brother, we came along. That's when she started using us just to make it easier. But even before then, yes, she had our aunts, she had our uncles and our grandparents. But if, if they had to do something, they, they they would they would find a way to be able to make it by.
2: Well, so would your mom like write Write yes. what she needed to say, and then just show it to people. Exactly. Wow. She so, was, she
0: always had a paper and pen on her. Here's a here's a, here's a crazy experience she had. Uh, she she remember uh, telling me about this. So I was I'm the firstborn, and my mother she wanted to go visit my father back in the Philippines again. She traveled to the Philippines by herself. You know, going to an airport with me. Uh, talking to the stewardess, trying to find out where her gate is. And you know how hectic an, an airport right. can be. And going transferring from uh, this flight to this flight. It's still till now, it gets me. How was she able to do that? I mean, she didn't have a cell phone. She didn't have a, she couldn't text anybody. But she was able to get to the airport there in the Philippines. And still from there, find my family <laughs> without a phone or anything.
2: So. Yes, that that just finding those that will pick you up. Oh, it's yeah. so hard with the the crowds of people so growing up you saw that your parents your mom specifically never used her disability as an excuse
1: even though after you know that process of finally understanding that they're different even after that she would always tell us no i'm normal i'm normal wow. i just can't hear that's what she would always tell us
0: it's funny even so now I- Wow. I don't think he has a disability so she would teach us the normal things like uh drink water or uh go clean you know clean the dishes or go home apple stuff like that uh, my brother's favorite food you know <laughs> stuff like that but it's funny because uh my my aunts my uncles i want to say don't they don't really know sign language like that i want to say they don't really know it that well but they, they, could all, they could all talk. They could all fight. They could all laugh. They could do everything still, like regular siblings.
2: Their parents were simple people with humble but demanding jobs in the small town of Milchville, Georgia. Their dad worked as a furniture mover. Their mom, she worked at the local hospital washing clothes. But both parents, despite being deaf and couldn't speak, made sure that their two boys were raised well. Okay, so when you were in trouble as little boys, you know, how were you disciplined as little kids with, you know, uh, most parents would yell, they'd get mad. What was that for you? (laughs) Uh, I'd say it's very, uh,
1: you know, it's one thing to get loud, Mm. especially as a kid. It's one thing to hear your parents get loud, but to see it, like to actually see it, because they're all... It's all visual with them it's all right. facial expressions right. and so it when ends. they're mad like you could you could put a wall in front of us and you could tell by our voice you're mad but then seeing it face to face oh it's scary it wow. is um but you know i i will say this you know not not trying you know of course we were we weren't angels growing up we you know we, we were boys growing up playing around here and there but i'd like to say that she didn't, both, my mother and our father, they didn't really have to discipline us too much. But I feel like that's because our mother really put the, the fear of God in us. Mm. My mom would always tell us, I'm, I may not be with you, but God sees you. You know, she would always say that.
0: I, I have to add to that story because I know exactly what my brother's talking about. When he says, my mom said that God's watching you, it's because again, my mom's a uh, visual. She's visual. She can't tell me what it, what it means to hear. She can't explain that to me. So when she would tell me and my brother, God's watching you, I remember specifically she said, God, this is a rough translation from sign language. God has big eyes, <laughs> always watching. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? It actually makes sense. It's not wrong. I mean, God is watching us. And as a young kid, I think that was actually perfect.
1: And so, yeah, you know, especially as a kid growing up, we're like, hey, God is always watching us. We don't want to do anything bad. We don't want to do anything, you know, that, that'll get us in trouble. And so the times that we did get in trouble, yeah, she, it was very scary, you know, seeing deaf people get scared because their <laughs> emotions are there. But, you know, God is good and, uh, and you know. He really used our parents to really put the, the, the fear of God in us.
2: How old were you, would you say, when, she, when your, your parents, your mom, started to give that analogy to you that God has big eyes?
0: It's uh, something she would tell us pretty often. So often, it's like what he said, I would always remind myself that too. Something's about to happen. There's an opportunity for some mischief. But in the back of my head, hold on now. God's watching. God's watching. So, I can't remember when she first told us, but it was literally a life lesson.
1: It was always constant, always. Mm. Anything, it was almost like a, a bedtime story. She wouldn't read <laughs> us stories, and she would remind us hey, before you go to sleep, remember God's watching you wherever you go.
2: As we began talking about their spiritual upbringing, I began to wonder. How did their parents worship when it's only been in the recent years that the Christian Society for the Deaf was established in the Church of Christ?
0: You know, the the story she would tell us is, is our great-grandmother back in the Philippines. We just know that somehow, some way, she was able to instill in her that our faith is important, our membership in the Church of Christ is everything. Because she would always tell me these stories, like she's almost bragging. She said, in the Philippines, we walk to the chapel. We wake up very early, 2 a.m. We get up, we get ready, and we go to the chapel. We're always at church. To see her so excited and so, she, had so much, she was so proud of it. The fact that she was such a strong member, that really laid a, a foundation on me. And my brother, of course, too, to think that, okay, this is something important. We got to pay attention to this. So I became 12 first, my brother a couple years later. And I started to think, how does it benefit her? The worship services, the Bible studies, because on top of worship service, we also went to Bible studies. And I would think, well, what is she getting from all this? Obviously, she's not hearing anything. And when it came down to it, I know she's not lip-reading or anything. So what exactly is so important about this? And, yeah, that kind of led to me and my brother kind of getting a glimpse of interpreting back then just a little bit.
2: Hmm. So think, at what uh, age were you starting to sign for her in worship service?
1: <laughs> in, in worship service? I, 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 I we, we wouldn't... We actually uh, never gone. in worship service. Oh, never right. in worship service. It, it was always after the fact. It was always after that, that the parents would always ask us, okay, so what was the lesson about? Mm. But it really pushed us to try. Because just like what, what my brother mentioned, um, you know, seeing how important it was to them you know, those times wherein we're not able to answer, you know, and then seeing the disappointment on their face, you know, it, 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 it hits and it hurts. And so th- those moments like that, even that was a teaching moment for them, teaching us to, hey, pay attention in the worship service, listen, so that you can help me out too.
0: You can only imagine, though, mm-hmm. from an eight-year-old in the adults' worship service, and she's asking, and you can't keep saying, oh, it's about God. It's about Christ. It's about God has big eyes, mom. He's watching you. You know, you can't always keep saying that. So
2: Right, right.
0: Yeah, it definitely was a lesson learned. Like them uh, always asking us what the lesson was about.
2: Was it eight? I mean, was that the youngest you can remember where your mom started depending on you f- to explain to her what the lesson was about in the adults worship service?
0: I would say even younger, mm-hmm. Wow! I would say even younger. I'd
1: say if I can, um, just a personal experience. I, I have a clear memory of, you know, I don't know how old I was, but obviously I was young. And I remember being, you know, sitting beside my father, then I keep trying to lay on his, on, on his lap. And then what he does is my dad keeps waking me up and he tells me, stay awake, listen. You know again as a child i'm like okay okay you know and and honestly what would go through my mind is you can't even hear you know why why is this so important to you why does it matter you can't even hear but you know as a child seeing that and then finally being able to understand you know it's like okay let me stay awake maybe there's a reason why but yeah that 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 was you know just, just like what my brother said again, you know, we, we probably can't think back to a specific age or even a, a, a bracket only because that's what we've, you know, we've been having to do it ever since.
2: So did that mean you would attend children's worship service and then adults?
0: That's correct. Mm-hmm.
2: Wow, so then you tell them too what you learned in CWS as well? Of course,
0: of course. <laughs> we would tell them
2: as As I listened to Brother Ronnie and Brother Ruel reminisce on their yeah. childhood, I can see it in their eyes, you know, hearing each other reflect on what their childhoods were like. They, too, are in somewhat of a disbelief on the spiritual responsibility they both carried as young boys. But there was one specific instance that really woke up Brother Ronnie, that this was not just about translating.
0: You know, there was a, just from my experience. And it's funny how it is because just to give an idea, my mother would ask us constantly now. It's not just a ride home from church, but I remember being at the gas station and she would ask me, hey, what was last Sunday's lesson about? And I, I wouldn't have anything to say. I'll be completely honest. Back then, I, I was still young. Uh, even as a teenager, you know, every little phases here and there. Paying attention and even my faith growing, it was still growing. It was still really young back then. But there was a particular moment when at church, there was a visitor, and the visitor was was deaf, all right? Uh, a sister had found, a, had met a, a deaf guest, and she brought him to the church. Obviously, there's no interpreters. One of the choir members found us, or found me. I was walking by myself, and she said, hey, come upstairs, there's a deaf person there. They're asking if someone can help uh, relate to him what the Bible study is, what the minister's preaching about. The minister starts preaching, and I'm just, I'm at a blank. Next, I, it's to the point where he's he's talking and he's preaching, and I am just trying to spell out the Bible. I was so slow, I couldn't keep up. And you know what? It hit me that I don't even know what he's talking about. The minister, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not gonna I'm not exaggerating. I, mean, I was I was in high school. I wasn't a little kid anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what the minister's talking about right now. What the topic is, I don't understand it. And I remember after that Bible study, I said sorry to the the visitor. Sorry, I had a hard time. He said, it's okay. And walking down the hall after that, I felt so low because I was like, wow, I really disappointed this guy. I really wasn't able to relay the words of God to him. And in my mind, I was thinking, is this what I do to my parents every single week? Mm. Is this what I'm doing to them? I'm not giving them what They've been yearning for and begging for and wanting every single time, which is to hear God's words. That's when, for me, I realized, you know, it all connects now. I really have to pay attention. I really need to start learning now. Because not only did this person, because I'll be honest, we didn't see him after that. And I felt bad about that. But even more so for my own parents uh, They never even get to hear the lesson, but they're always asking us. That really left the imprint on It really made me uh, think twice about that.
2: I could tell this experience really affected Brother Ronnie. It's almost as if he, along with Brother Roel, started to understand how much their parents trusted and depended on them when it came to their faith. Still, they looked to their parents as their examples, their role models on how to take care of their relationship with God and the time they spend with Him. So this is a good time to point out that getting to worship service was not an easy feat for this family. When they were growing up, the closest local congregation was South Atlanta, which was two hours away from the small town where they had lived.
1: We grew up in Milledgeville, Georgia.
0: So our worship service in South Atlanta was on Sundays at 10 a.m., Okay, so Saturday, Saturday, my parents would tell me, my brother, that night, okay, guys, get your clothes ready, get your church clothes ready, get your uh, after-church clothes ready, mm-hmm. get your, your your choir stuff ready for CWS, all that. So, okay, we get our stuff ready. The next day, wake up at uh, 3 a.m., 3.30 a.m., very early, and they would tell us, okay, everyone, we're going to be leaving around 4, 4.30. So we get up bright and early, get in the car or the van. And we drive those two hours, get to the chapel around 6 or 6.30 a.m. And like I said, the worship service was at 10 a.m. You know, some people may say that's a little early. And I will tell you the truth. Me and my brother thought the same thing. We thought that was extremely early. But you know what's funny? They always told us, we have to. We have to be early. And we'd always ask why. Why are we early? They never told us why. There'd be one year we're driving to the chapel, um, the tire blows. But the fact that we left early, we were able to get the tire fixed and still make it to the chapel early. Because my parents had this mindset that it's the worship service. Prepare the best possible way. Nothing will ever stop us from worshiping God. And the funny thing is, they never said any of that. Hmm. They just did it. They just were the best examples for us at that time. So after years and years of that, even till now, I found myself, okay, worship service is 8 p.m., gotta be there at 2 p.m.
1: It's true, <laughs> because I'm the same way.
0: Worship service,
1: 7.30, we're gonna be at the chapel by four o'clock. With, with our parents, they really did lead by example every single time. They didn't have to say it because they showed it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and And that's what we were able to take with us.
2: So I'm curious, how were you able to pray as a family?
0: My mother, when we were younger, specifically her, she would get us together. It was always 7 p.m. at night. Every 7 p.m. at night, she would get the family together, me my brother my father. And she said, say, okay, we're gonna have our family prayer. Just watch me. And we watched her pray. And she did really well. She prayed for everything. She thanked God. She asked, gave him our, uh, our needs, what we need in this life and prayed to Christ, and then everything in the name of Christ, she did it all. And it, at the time, it's kind of whatever, when you're an a eight-year-old, a ten-year-old, it's nothing, it's a normal thing for us. But now when I think about it, like, wow, like, that's how important it was that we had to pray. And that she made a way that we still had a family prayer or a family devotional prayer every single night.
1: Towards the time when, when we were, uh, you know, of age, it was almost like worship service for them we would have family prayers and it would only be me or my brother praying and they would just, you know, bow their head, close their eyes and that's it. And then when we're done with the prayer, we'd tap them on the shoulder and they'd be okay with that. I guess it was almost like a, it was almost like a, we trust what you're saying and we know that you're praying for the family. Mm -hmm. And so if you're able to pray to God, then I know that you're praying for us as well. And so even if they're just, even though they weren't joining in the prayer, Mm-hmm. you know for, for for me personally you know j- just knowing that it, it's very humbling
0: but for them back then uh, there was no set way on for example the correct way to do a prayer in sign language mm-hmm. my brother said they would close their eyes nowadays the deaf are told to keep their eyes open so they can see what's being signed but back then you know they tried to do their best just to make sure that we still maintain that function which is a family devotional prayer mm-hmm. until now that still gets me because again they adapted they didn't want it to be that there's a reason why we can't be a normal family a normal christian family doing what we're supposed to do they didn't want any excuses we made sure we did what we had to do if i could i sorry if i could add to that even with just a prayer that's one thing but the worship service that's just another field I do remember this. I remember looking at the minister, then looking at my dad, then looking over, trying to see where my mom is. And I'm telling you, their eyes were glued to the minister. Again, I have to tell you, they don't speak, uh, they don't read lips, they don't do any of that. But their eyes are glued on the minister. Now, we know there could be any reason for someone to not pay attention even doze off a little bit, not focus on the worship service, and it could be whatever to them. But for them, what I learned was really never take it for granted, never take it for granted. I mean, for, for them, they want it so bad to hear the lesson, so bad, and for other people to take it for granted and not listen and take advantage of the fact that we have ears and we can hear the words of God like that. No struggle at all. When for them, back then, there's no interpreter. There's no formal training for sign language. So they couldn't get the entire lesson like we're all blessed to do. Yet their focus, Their eyes are there. Fixed on what the minister is saying. And you know what? There is even one specific moment I remember, which is uh, the minister is giving the... Uh, he, he's wrapping up the lesson, the Bayuba. He's, he's getting very spiritual. Brethren are feeling it. And I look over at my mother and I kid you not she's crying and I don't know why and I'm thinking what are you hearing what are you listening what are, uh, what are you getting from this and I remember asking her afterwards like oh why were you crying what did the minister say and she say I don't know but I felt something I was feeling something and it made me feel like crying
1: when 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 me and my brother would talk about it we would always say they they really did worship depending on the Holy Spirit, you know?
0: It's one of the biggest lessons we ever got from them. And again, they never explained that to us. They never told us about the Holy Spirit. They never put that in words, but just based on the way they lived, that's how we learned it.
2: For over 18 years, their parents worshipped with no sign language interpreters, and yet, They would leave extremely early to make that four-hour drive back and forth, each worship service. Then, during the 95th anniversary celebration of the church, their prayers were answered. They saw an interpreter on the big screen, Sister Rose Guillermo from Belmore, New York.
1: And the moment my parents saw that, you know, uh, but it was a huge venue, huge but the moment that my parents saw that there was a sign language interpreter on the screen, they did everything they could to find it. It was like at that moment they, they didn't want to settle for just seeing them on the screen. They were like, no, I'm gonna find where that sign language interpreter was and I'm gonna sit right there. And that's what they did.
0: They let, looked all over. Let me reemphasize that. Sister Lou, we lost our parents that day. We did. I don't know where they were. I think it was like a ten thousand seater venue.
1: It was a crazy situation because they, they, they you know, when, when, they, when they finally found her, Sister Rose at the time, she didn't know that there were any deaf brethren. She was honestly signing because her parents were there who were right. not yet members at the time.
0: Let's, let's they, put it like this. My brother mentioned there was no deaf uh, members. Mm. But when she met them, this is where the story just got uh, it was just It's just beautiful. Mm. go ahead my brother so she said that they just met and then she met my dad and then what happened so so you know mom and dad they, they, they go to her
1: and you know after speaking with sister rose after the fact she's telling us she's like you know I saw them come up and and they just sit down in front of me maybe like you know, you know obviously a few feet but but they sat down in front and they wave at her and sister rose is telling us you know at first I'm like okay hello but then afterward, you know, after that, she goes, are you deaf? And my parents are like, yes, yes, we are. So then from that moment on, it it just, it just all the more sparked that the Holy Spirit just came in. And for them, it was just so overwhelming because, again, they've been waiting for this for so long. And I, I, what I mentioned earlier, they weren't going to settle. Even from where they were sitting, they could easily see the screen and, and the sign language interpretation was there. But they weren't going to settle for that. If they could be right there and they could get it face to face, they would. And that's what they did.
0: If I could add, just to put it in the, to, in the context, I was 18 at the time. I specifically remember I was, I just turned 18 that year. So we could safely say for 18 years, this is the first time they were hearing the lesson. First time they are hearing the words of God in 18 years. From the last time they probably had a lesson back in uh from the interpreters in the philippines
1: you know i i don't i don't know about my brother but i remember we were we were both in the choir and i remember just seeing it and to see the face you know for my mother you know okay but it's always different when you see a man crying it's always different and to see the the overwhelming face on my father from the beginning until end and the way that we describe it is, you know, they, they were just filled with the Holy Spirit. Like they've been waiting for this for so long and they wanted it so long. And so finally, when they finally had it, they just couldn't hold it in anymore. You know, they, they they just couldn't hold it in. And, and, and I'll, for me, I'll never forget that. To, to, to know, especially for one who really wants it and can never get it. And then finally, when they have it, it's like, you know, when, when, when the worship service ended, it was almost like a, you know, please don't go. Mm. It, 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 it was like a please stay because that's how much they wanted it. And that's how much they, they benefited from it.
2: Oh, it's dusty in here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that so, uh, I'm, I'm simply moved. I'm simply moved. I, I think that, uh, The fact that your parents' um, love for God or their faith in 18 years minimum, right, 18 years, Mm -hmm. it never wavered. It never weakened. It only stayed stronger as proof, as you said, Brother O'Well, seeing your dad, you know, filled with so much emotion and tears. It's something he had been longing for for so long. And um And I think that is such a testament to the depth of their faith. I mean, anyone can have faith, but the depth of someone's faith, that's when it's revealed, right? Brother Ronnie, what was that like for you, uh, seeing your father be that moved when he finally got to, you know, see or understand or fully benefit, perhaps, from a worship service? Because now there was signing in that worship service.
0: There's one specific day I remember, I walk in and uh, I saw my dad, he's uh, sitting on the the couch and he's kind of bent over like this and I noticed he's signing. And I was like, who's he talking to? And I was going to go tap him on the shoulder or something until I got a little close and I realized his eyes are closed. You know, Sister Lou, there's not many times I've seen my dad pray. There's not many times. But one thing is when i saw what he, that he was praying and what he was praying for because for praying for them isn't saying words in their head because they don't say words right they only mm. do sign language that's their language so when they pray they sign out mm. they sign out what they're saying and to see what he was saying bless my family bless my children my dad doesn't speak too much about his faith he does not say too much about church You don't hear him say anything much about it, but to know that no one else was at home. I got there early. My brother was still at school. My mother was still at work, and to get there and see that and just know that we are going somewhere. I always knew my mother was strong in her faith, but to see my dad growing like that to the point where he's praying, not with the family but himself. He's just praying by himself. Those are things that really, you know, till now it gets to me that Deaf people can be regular members too. <laughs> they they can learn to have the same faith as all of us. You don't have to be like my mother that you had this faith instilled uh, into you, like when you're super young, growing up all the way. But you could be brand uh, a brand new member, newly baptized, and you could still have that faith. It can be uh, taught to you. You can feel it as well. So uh, just like my brother, my brother was saying, to see my dad in that way, oh man, it really, it, it really uh, it's a big impact. It really shows me that when it comes to those who are deaf, they can also live a normal Christian life inside the Church of Christ, just like anyone else.
2: In our next episode, we'll continue our conversation with Brother Ronnie and Brother Roel David. And this time, we'll talk about a different chapter in their lives, the ministry. How were they called? And I'm sure you're all wondering, just as I did, how did they tell their parents? And how did their parents react? Stay tuned for part two of this story. And if you'd like to see photos of the David family in the full video interview of this episode, log on to incmedia.org forward slash making hyphen changes. Special thanks to Rose Guillermo for the ASL interpretation for this episode. If you found value in what you heard today, please share this with a friend or anyone you know that could use the story in their life. Stay up to date with all our new episodes and follow us on our Instagram account at Making Changes Podcast. Thanks for listening and may your change uplift you.